0: Hello everyone and welcome to The Art of Thomas. Today we're going to do another uh, video to explain my latest article. Now, uh, I'm publishing all my articles on theartofthomas.wordpress.com. Uh, Thomas with no H because it's a Spanish version. Anyway, let's jump right into it. The last one we did was ETH versus Bitcoin. Part one, and I explain a little bit about the history, why they were, they are separate coins, and the different things they're trying to do, and the fundamental ideological difference between them. In this um, new article, which is gonna I'm gonna upload soon after the video is done, I want to go a little bit deeper on how they actually work and the difference that they have there as well. So the first thing is that we need to establish a few concepts because right now both Bitcoin and Ethereum work on what is called proof of work. But Ethereum is about, it has announced for a while now that it's going to eventually switch to something called proof of stake. So basically I want to make a video explaining both concepts so that you understand what this actually means. And in order for me to explain this first, I need to um, explain what mining means in the world of crypto. Of course, mining comes from uh, what you would do to get Gold. You would go with a pickaxe to a mountain and you'll extract it from the ground. Um, Now, the guy who created Bitcoin, Satoshi Nakamoto, uses the same word, mining, because this is the way that you get uh, new coins, right? Now, instead of going with a pickaxe and going to the deep of of a mine and extract it from the ground... What you do when you mine Bitcoin is you connect your computer to run run the Bitcoin protocol. So, at its most essence, like the most basic way to understand Bitcoin is, Bitcoin is basically a ledger that says uh, this account owns this many Bitcoins. This account owns this many, and that and that's it. And it gets updated every time someone makes uh transfers. It gets updated, I think, every 10 minutes or something like that. And the people who update are the miners. So they have a computer connected to the Bitcoin network and they are, ma- they are making all the transactions in the ledger. That's like the easiest way to understand it. I hope I did a good job in doing so. Now, in order... To have people doing this, um, you have to have some sort of reward, because otherwise, why would people do it? They wouldn't. So if you connect your computer to the mining network, you actually get paid uh, bitcoins. And this is done to attract people, because the more miners you have, uh, the harder it is to attack. Uh, the network becomes more resilient. So if you want to alter the ledger to say that you have all the Bitcoins, then you would need over 51% of the computing power that has been deployed to run the Bitcoin network. So the more computers you can have connected to it and the more spread out across the world, the safer the network is. So far, there has been no successful attacks on the Bitcoin network. Uh, people have tried, and yes, over its, it's more than 10 years now that Bitcoin exists. People have not been able to do, to do so. It seems to be very hard, almost, as of today, impossible, I would say. Now, today, Ethereum uses the same system for mining as Bitcoin, which is proof of work. You have your, 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 your computer and it's running and it's doing the work. That's why we call, it's called proof of work. The more computers that are connected to the, to the network, the, the, there's more competition between the, all the miners because there's only one miner that can update the ledger every 10 minutes. So this competition leads people to invest into faster and better computers, especially uh, computers to be successful at mining Bitcoin today because it is such a high competitive field. You need to have the latest uh, graphic cards so that they can do the thing faster and you need to have a place where you can cool down because it it overheats. So it's quite expensive to be a miner in the Bitcoin world. And uh, as well... So let's go step by step. There's two main crit- criticism. One is that you need a, lo- a lot of money to participate. Then, So people say that not everyone can participate in it because you need a lot of initial investment. So it's not as decentralized as it should. Whereas the second uh, complaint is that it consumes a ton of energy. Now we, especially this year, we have seen a lot of articles being written about how much energy Bitcoin consumes. Now, let's tackle those things one by one. First of all, the high initial investment required to participate in Bitcoin mining, it's, it's by design. It's a feature. It's not a bug because Acquiring enough of the computing power or the hash rate, as uh, you'll hear people talk about, is gonna cost someone a lot more, more money to get enough of it to attack the network than the that what they would get out of it. So I'm not. If I wanted to attack the Bitcoin network to get a large part of the Bitcoins for myself, it's gonna cost me a lot more money. Because of how expensive it is to participate in the Bitcoin network, and that in itself is a way of defense. So that 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 is a a very key aspect that a lot of people don't don't uh, a lot of people underestimate why it's necessary for Bitcoin mining to be an expensive endeavor. Now, when it comes to energy. This is one of the things that uh, Bitcoin miners are competing the most. Cause yes, you can have the fastest computer, uh, but everybody has access to the same computers. So a lot of the competition in between miners is who can get the cheapest energy. And this creates a sort of arm race where a lot of capital is being used to find ways to harness cheaper sources of energy, which over time, I think we're going to see a lot of very cool innovation happen because there's such a great incentive if you can find a cheaper way to produce, store, and use en- energy. Another thing is that when you're producing energy, the hardest part is to transport it to where you need the energy to be used. So if you if you have a really big city... The city can't produce enough energy to sustain itself, so you need to bring energy from the outskirts. But it's hard to transport energy a lot, a lot, a lot of it just gets lost. And there's a lot of places that we can produce energy, but it's not profitable to do so because of the costs of transportation. Now, the thing about Bitcoin mining is that you can put a miner In the middle of nowhere, and you don't need to transport the the energy anywhere. Because you're making you're updating the ledger with your computer and you're creating the bitcoins, and you can send the bitcoins around the world. You don't need to physically transport the energy. So, yes, Bitcoin mining does consume a lot of energy, but it also makes uh it creates the ability to harness energy from places that before it was impossible also if you are creating these mining facilities in faraway places you also create incentives for people to build um community, communities around them for because the people that work there uh they need they need stuff as well so i think it's going to help to create a, um more to alleviate the most densely populated areas and they're going to create a lot of jobs outside of uh, cities which I think is going to be great for everyone and it also helps decentralizing uh, the mining structure of Bitcoin all around the globe even in El Salvador they're starting to build Bitcoin mining's next to volcanoes just to harness the energy from the lava which is insane but there's stuff like that that you can do and we're going to start to see more of it every time more. So it also, if you look at the trend of energy consumption in Bitcoin mining, it's turning towards green renewable energy because um, if you go to these particular locations where before it was unprofitable to harness their energy and now you actually can do it and it's cheaper. And like we said before, how cheap you can get your energy is one of the main factors or whether or not you're going to be a successful Bitcoin miner. So all the complaints about proof of work, they make sense at a base layer. So you read them and then it makes sense to you and you might run with it. But if you start looking a bit deeper, you actually understand that it's not really something we should be concerned about. And it's actually, in the long term, it's going to be really, really good. And it makes the Bitcoin network the most resilient network in the world. So far, nobody has been able to successfully launch an attack on it. It has not been been possible. Many have tried, and we're going to see in further episodes. Uh, We'll talk about some of them because they're fascinating stories. But... So far, nobody has been able to. And the more Bitcoin grows, the more incentive there is to mine, the more miners, the more resilient it gets. That's something we need to understand. As Bitcoin gets bigger in price, it also gets more resilient. Anyway, now, what is proof of stake? In proof of stake, because of this arguments that I have stated before, it's an alternative. And the the alternative says, let's get rid of the traditional Bitcoin miners, right? And instead of having a computer running a software and competing with the other computers on who uh, gets to update the ledger, what we're going to do is we're going to connect our wallets with our Ether. And randomly, a wallet will be selected to update the ledger. And for doing so, you're going to be rewarded with some Ether coins. Now, this means that, A, you still need to have a computer logged in to the network full time, but the computer is not competing, so it's not using a lot of computing power. So the energy costs gets dropped by a large margin. I'm not sure about the right number, but I think could be around somewhere between, I don't know, somewhere around 90%. I've heard some people say that we still don't know because this is, so far, it's all theoretical. Ethereum has not deployed the system yet, but they said that they will in the future. So the idea is you connect your wallet to the system and. Every now and then your wallet will be selected to update the ledger and you will get coins in exchange for doing so. Now, this sounds great because it consumes a lot less power and you can get Ether just by doing it and everybody can do it. So they say it's going to be more decentralized because you don't need a really good computer. Any computer will do, even an old laptop, as long as it has internet connection. But the problem is if you look again, if you don't just read at a surface level and you go deeper, it actually achieves the opposite effects of decentralization. Because the more if your wallet has, the more you're going to be selected To update the ledger, which means the more if you're going to get in return, creating an effect where the highest holders of Ethereum will benefit the most from the system. Now I've spoken in my last video about the problem that Ethereum has with how centralized it is, how very few people have most of the coins and have most of the voting power and what happens with the network itself. I believe, and again, this is not sure, so far proof of stake is mostly theoretical. I believe that this will produce further centralization as the people that have the most coins will also be the ones benefiting the most from proof of stake. And if you top that with the fact that Ethereum has no, no cap limit. So we don't know how many Ethereums there will be. Uh, they can, you can always print more just by the clicks of a few buttons. And Ethereum's money policy has changed over time a lot so this is not unusual so putting all of this together the fact that the people with already most of the power will gain more power uh, there's no limit to the amount of Ethereum you can print and the money policy can be changed quickly and suddenly uh, for me this is all the stuff that Bitcoin was built to fight against and that's why even though I think Ethereum has done a lot of innovation in the crypto space, for me, at least, um, I ideologically and philosophically, it's not the same as Bitcoin. You need to under, understand this difference if you plan on buying or participating in Ethereum's ecosystem. And to me, this is, this is why I'm much more believer in Bitcoin than in Ethereum itself. Uh, for me, when you get those factors, a lot of centralized power, no cap in the money supply, it's dangerous, which doesn't mean it's going to go bad instantly. Of course not. I actually think in the short and lo- uh, medium term, Ethereum is probably going to do quite well. So I think the people behind Ethereum are not evil people. They're trying to do the the best that they can. But the problem when you have a system like that is that you only need that power to fall in the wrong hands for everything to unravel badly, right? It's the same that's happening with our current economical system, the fiat dollar. The problem is that there's few people controlling the money. There's no money supply. There's no... Like, because it doesn't take a lot of power to mine Ethereum once you have proof of of stake, there's, there's not, uh, there's not a lot of incentive that's gonna prevent you from printing more if you think you need them. And when you print more and you generate inflation, what happens is the people that have the least suffer and the people who have the most, uh, benefit so you have you know an incentive trap because you have the power to do it and you will benefit if you do so as long as the people in charge are uh, uh they have the right morals and the right f- framework and mindset it's going to work but as soon as you get someone who who doesn't have that uh, you're at a great great risk you know who knows what's going to happen once the people that have the power now pass away and they leave the inher- inheritance to their children. Uh, I don't know. So for me, it creates opportunity for things to go wrong. And what I like about Bitcoin is that because of the way it's designed, those things, those risks are not there. That cannot happen within Bitcoin. So... That is my two cents on proof of work versus proof of stake. I'm sure as proof of stake gets deployed on Ethereum, we're going to have more tangible data on how it actually works. But for me, at least, these are my concerns. And what I what I see online is people criticizing a lot of proof of work and saying how great proof of stake really is. And as I said before, if you look at if you look at it in a surface level, it makes sense what they're saying. But if you go slightly beneath and a bit deeper, everything uh turns around. And suddenly, all the criticism of proof of work actually makes sense. And it's good that it works that way. And the proof of stake system, which seems like, hey, it's going to cost less money and you're going to get more ether... So it's great if you also look at it at a deeper level. It's, it's not so good. Uh, or at least it's not as good as it pretends to be. I don't know. This is a very, very uh, tricky thing. We're definitely going to see how it develops over time. But at least it's, we have to be aware of this. If you're going to make a decision to participate or buy into any of the networks. We all need to understand better how they work so that we can make better decisions. If you don't have the right information, how are you going to make the right decision? It's not possible. So that's why I'm making these videos. I'm making my articles and my podcast. I'm trying to learn as much as I can and share my learning and my experience with everyone. Now, I say before, I'll say it again. I am not an expert. So just use my videos as a launch point. To continue and go deeper into it, and do your own research and gather as many sources as you can. When it comes to your money, you you can't you can't just um, throw it out there and hope for the best. Especially if you're planning on the future of your family and and all that, it requires vigilance and constant attention. Unfortunately, um, but anyway, I'll do my best to find the best information I can and provide it to you in the clearest way possible. Anyway, um, probably the next video is going to be part three of the Bitcoin versus Ether because there's still some stuff to be talked about. Have a great day. Enjoy. Have fun. Smile. I'll see you hopefully in the next one.